All right, how's everybody doing this morning? Does it feel hot to anybody but me? Yes, amen. Okay, so, so here's the deal. Here's the deal. These, these vents, they're pretty good at, at shooting cold air in one and four directions. Okay, so if you're sitting in line with one of these vents, like if I were sitting right here, I would probably feel cold. I, I'd be comfortable, but if Christine would be like, it's cold, and you know, I'd be like, something's wrong. Okay, no, you're just sitting in line with the vent. So you have to, this is understanding about the body of Christ. Okay, if you're off on a corner, you're not going to be cold because you're not in direct line with that vent. So let me just double check here and make sure that, that okay, okay, good. All right. So. Okay. All right. There we go. Praise the Lord. And it's good to be in the house of the Lord and uh, have climate control. Yes. All right. We rearranged the room because we're God to grow and it was already uncomfortable last week, a little bit trying to find a seat. So, so this is, this is better, I think. Um, so welcome. Uh, I'm glad you're here. I, I, I know that if you're just coming, you're joining us in week three of a series of our June vision update in week three. So, so you might have to go back and catch up if you feel like some of the stuff I'm saying is built upon previous week's stuff. But week one, we talked about what we're trusting God for. Week two, why we're trusting God for these things. Like we didn't just make up like some goal no, this is all in keeping with God's will and God's plan and, and us figuring out how we can be a part of that. And then this week is how we're trusting God for that. Next week is our last week in this series and, and we focus on, on prayer. So just by way of review, some of the stuff that we've talked about. We talked about in this room, we can do in here what you cannot do by yourself. Okay. No Lone Ranger Christians, God didn't design that, okay? We're supposed to be part of a, of a unit, part of a body. Um, and there's stuff we can't do sitting in the middle of main service. For example, you're not going to stand up in the middle of main service and make a prayer request. You're not going to interrupt praise and worship. But we can do that in here. We just did that in here, right? Praise the Lord. We can do together in this group what you can't do by yourself and what you can't do in main service. We talked about the fact that there's 6 billion lost souls on the planet. So John Moffat saw the smoke of the fires rising from the villages. And he said, and, he, and what came to his mind when he saw that is, in all those villages, the name of Christ is not known. Everyone in that village is lost. And he came back and he gave a missionary presentation and he talked about the smoke of a thousand fires where the name of Christ isn't known in any of those villages. And that's what got David Livingston to the point where he could not sleep at night. Okay, there's six billion lost souls on the planet. And I guess that should keep us awake at night a little bit. 
Like, I'm not okay with 6 billion lost people on this planet. So we want to rescue as a class. We set the goal of rescuing the perishing. Okay, we're, we had 21 people in class in, in that week, like, like the first week in January after Mission Focus. And, and so we said, we're going to try to win 21 people to Christ. 21 people can win 21 people to Christ. Okay, there's, there's how many lost people on the planet? And, and we're going to reach, reach how many? Okay. All right, but listen, don't miss the point. Don't miss the point. 21 people can own what 21 people can do. The question is, what can that group of people do and how can they do it? Okay, so God is answering our prayers, but what we need is we need a burden and we need an understanding that it's not about numbers. 21 out of 6 billion is a pathetically small, weak little vision. But, but don't miss the point. 21 people who reach 21 people is a 100% increase. And everyone is reaching one. And it's not about numbers, but it's what about are you willing to reach somebody for Christ? Are, am I willing to speak forth the truth and love? Are we willing to work together to be a functional class in which God is able to then now use us according to his will and plan. Okay, so, so, so that's by way of review. We've covered those things. Growth, going from 21 to, 20, to 42. Well, it's because discipleship is the mission. Every member is to be a minister. So 21, it can't become a thousand. You're like, well, no, 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 Chris, don't limit God. Don't limit the Holy Spirit. I'm saying, no, 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 listen. Listen, just understand this. The mission is not evangelism. It includes evangelism, but the mission is what? Discipleship. That you would take what God's given you and you would invest that somewhere else. So 21 can become 42, but we would never be able to handle a thousand people. The question is, can we handle 21? That's the question that God has been asking me as I've been doing these series, are you ready for the fruit? Because my will is that none should perish and that you would be used by me to reach the world. The question is, are you able to make disciples? Are you, we re rearrange the room. Why? Because the room wasn't able to see 42. It's like, God, we're trusting you for 42. He's like, well, you better rearrange the room. You better get ready for the fruit. I'm answering your prayer, but you actually as a group aren't ready. But I'm wanting to do. So yes, the prayer is God. Does that make sense? So that's kind of what God's done. We saw from Ephesians 4 verses 116, we are called, okay? We are gifted for this and we need to be connected and work together on this. So God's answering our prayers, but he wants us to be a functional fellowship. And I'm kind of repeating this because this is like the main thing here. So then we looked at, at maybe an illustration of being a search and rescue ship. Like Noah's Ark, everyone who wasn't on the boat perished because of God's judgment for sin. Okay. 
it's the same thing. If you're not in Christ, if you don't have that, you're going to perish because of God's judgment over sin. Now, Christ took that. We need to get people in Christ on the boat. Get on the Jesus boat, right? We want to be like a search and rescue ship, rescuing the perishing. But on the ship, we've got this blueprint. Here's this blueprint of a search and rescue ship. And here's all the different stations. And like you could go through and you could say, well, here's where this person goes. And this is what that person does. And we've got a lookout. We've got a captain. We've got a mechanic. We've got the guy who drives the little boat. And so we got all these different positions. And that's what we want is to be able to, to, to do that and to have that. So turn in your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. If you need a Bible or a handout, raise your hand and we can get you a Bible or a handout. Okay. But otherwise, go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. The, the verse that we're really focused on here is, is, is really 15 and 16. So I'm going to read that. Lord, help us to see what you need us to see. Okay, so we're going to be immature. We're not going to be children in our faith. We're going to grow up in our faith. And then verse 15, what does that look like? Speaking the truth in love may grow up into him, that's into Christ, in all things, which is the head, even Christ. The head is complete. It's perfect. It's ready. We just need all the body parts to come together under the head to be able to be functional. Okay. Verse 15, from whom? From Christ. Then the whole body is fitly joined. That's like a person who's just laying bricks. And they lay brick after brick after brick until all those eventually make a wall or a building. Okay. That's what that word is like and compacted, squished together, by that which every joint supplieth. So all of us, every joint. You're a, you and I in our relationship, that's a joint. Joints make everything better, I guess. So, okay, don't miss, okay. All right, I'm against recreational marijuana. I'm against that, I'm the, officially, okay. No, a, a joint within the body, an articulation where two parts come together and now there's functionality. Oh, yeah. As we do that together, we're, we're, we're compacted. We're working together. By that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part. You have received, God measured out to you a spiritual gift. We saw that earlier in Ephesians 4. And he measured out a spiritual gift to you. As you use that gift, that measure, and as I use my gift, and as we work together, that's what causes this whole thing to be functional. And it maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Okay, so that's our verse. And I want to I just throw something out there as we get started. There's a, there's a saying. Okay, it's called form follows function. Has anyone ever heard that phrase before? It started off as an architectural saying. So an architect is going to design a building, okay, and he's getting ready to write these blueprints out, and there was this guy, he was Louis Sullivan, I believe. He was an architect in the 1890s, and he came up with this thing, and he's talking about how to build skyscrapers. And he said, the form has to follow the function. In other words, don't just build a building 
based on tradition or based on what it looks like. Let's, let's build a building based on what they're gonna be doing in there. Well, that seems to make sense, right? The form of what we build has to come after the function for which we're gonna build that building. Form follows function. Now, a lot of people, a lot of architects were like, oh, that's, what about the beauty of it? What, you're, you're not taking into account, everyone has to look at this building. You just wanna build big, ugly square things. And, and one of this guy's, this guy mentored a guy named um, Lloyd, Floyd, what's the famous architecture? Frank Lloyd Wright. Okay, you guys know my illustration better than I do. Okay, he's probably the most architect. And what he was mentored by this guy, and he said, everybody misunderstands what he's saying. The point is the form and the function are one in the same. Like don't try to separate out form and function, but they need to be united. And this is what Wright said, in spirit. There's a spiritual reality that puts the form and the function together. And, and there's lots of examples of things where the form needs to follow the, function, the body of Christ. The head's already in place. The mission is already described. We're not coming up with this thing called discipleship. We're just reading the Bible and it's like, oh, this is what the Lord would have us to do. Okay, you guys ready? Let's go. As you're gifted, as I'm gifted, let's work together. The, 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 the form is going to follow the function, the mission we've already been given. Obviously, in architecture, you can talk about that. Christine and I did a home remodel. I tell this story a lot, so sorry to repeat it if you've already heard it 10 times, but it just it works so well, I'm gonna keep doing it. Okay, we needed to do a kitchen remodel. Okay, our kitchen was really outdated. It probably wasn't moderate anymore. So Christine, cause I, I don't care. I'm like, whatever, go ahead. But she was really wrestling with the kitchen remodel because it's gonna, a kitchen remodel is kind of expensive. And she's just conflicted. I want to do the remodel. I don't wanna spend the money. She's just conflicted. And then one day the discussion was, well, what's best for the ministry? What kitchen remodel would be best so that we can host groups of people in our house the best? And she goes, well, that's easy. We tear that out, we put an island there, we get this and this, and then we just do that. Like, okay, just do that then. That clarified everything. What is the form that is best going to fulfill the function? What's best for the ministry in this situation? Because we got stuck looking on Pinterest and like, oh, I like that color and oh, I like this. And you just get like, we kind of just forgot if formal to simply follow function, you can make whatever color material you want. That stuff's just extra. And then that that remodel got done right away and the Lord provided and we had the funds and she got her kitchen remodel. But it wasn't until we said form needs to follow function. Okay, so where am I going with all this? Well, Midtown Baptist Temple, we were a group of people on the mission making disciples before we ever became a church. We just added a church structure to what we were already doing we were doing the function already, and then the form followed the function. 
Okay, living well class, guy, it needs to be the same thing in here. What we set up in terms of a structure, it just needs to be a simple assessment of what is the best form that's going to follow the function that we're here for. And my hope and my prayer is that by the end of our time together this morning, we're all going to see kind of what that needs to look like. Okay, so form follows function. What are we here to do? Well, we're here to make disciples. We know that. Okay, praise the Lord. Ready, go. Like what, what, we still need to have some things in place in this group to be able to do what you can't do by yourself and you can't do in the middle of service, right? So exactly how, go, go back to Ephesians chapter four, speaking the truth in love. Okay, there you go. That's it. We need to speak the truth in love. And I know you, and if you've been around Midtown very long and you've been discipled, you know what the truth is. Amen. We have the truth. It is so cool that you know you have a Bible and that it is authoritative and God will be faithful to it. You can simply trust in what he has said. We have the truth. And I really don't have any concerns whatsoever when I look out on this group, whether or not you will speak the truth. What I wonder about is, is are we, how good are we at speaking the truth in love? And that's kind of what I want to focus on because the body edifies itself at the end of verse 16, that edifies itself in love. And if we don't get the love part right, then it doesn't really matter if you're speaking truth. We are outside of God's will and outside of God's plan, and we really can't be trusting in him. And so what does that look like? Good question. That's what I want to talk about today. So, so first of all, just some guidelines on how we operate as a church, okay? And then as a ministry, we talked about form follows function. This is the Chicago-type architecture that, that, that Louis Sullivan kind of is, is famous for. So it's just a bunch of windows and otherwise a big cube because that's you need cubicles and offices. That's what's going on in there. So if you like architecture, you can, you can do that. Okay. As a church, we know about 2 Timothy 2.2. And so number one is team leadership. We're going to have ministry teams in the Living Well class. The Arabic Fellowship is going to have different ministry teams with different people leading different teams. And I just want to talk to the leaders for a second. You have two jobs. One is the job of the ministry, okay? Uh, Colossians chapter 4, and say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry that thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. If you have a ministry responsibility, the expectation is that you're actually going to do the work of the ministry. Like, that's obvious. But the second part, the perfecting of the saints. Okay, so if it... If I'm a team leader over something, I've got two jobs. One is I'm going to do that thing. But the other thing is I'm going to train leaders. I'm going to train someone to take my place. Now, remember, we are a sending church. How do you know that God is or isn't going to send you somewhere to be part of a church plant? Decision is that? Is that your decision or is that God's decision? Who here has wrestled with the fact that God may well send you somewhere if you're a part of Midtown? 
Okay, Christine and I have, because we have grandkids now. Before we had grandkids, we'd have been like, let's go, who cares? But I mean, we just would have taken our kids with us. But, but now we've had to wrestle through that again. We are a sending church, and God may well send you somewhere. I'd be a little surprised if God doesn't send some of you somewhere. I know we're sending some of you to, speak, to, to plant an Arabic-speaking church. Make sure you leave a team here so that we have an Arabic-speaking fellowship when you do. So you got to train leaders. You can't take everybody. you got to leave somebody here so that we still can reach Arabic speakers too. We can partner with you in that area. Okay, but if you're on a ministry team, just know that your ministry leader is eyeing you. Like, is that the guy? Because if God sends me somewhere, I need him to take my place. And if God sends him somewhere, I need him to know something, to be able to do something, so that when he gets there, he's useful. I, don't, I, I hate the call from one of our church plant pastors who says, hey, Chris, that guy you sent, you want him back? Dead weight. Why? Why did you send me somebody now instead of getting a laborer? And I got someone. I just have to spend all my time doing marital counseling with them. You got anybody useful you can send? Like like that? Oh, if I if that were me and I sent somewhere and I didn't actually know how to lead. So we, we this is the saying: everyone has a Paul and everyone has a Timothy. So you have a Paul, you have someone who's investing in you and teaching you things that you need to know to lead in ministry. And then you have a Timothy, someone that you're teaching. Because we're ascending church, we're planning on sending some of you. I don't know who. During the meantime, as we do the work of the ministry, we're all getting equipped. Pretty exciting. Makes it an exciting place to go to church. Hard to just come and attend because you have to be ready for what, what God has for you. Okay, these are just guidelines, okay? Things you need to know. Number two, there's more spiritual attack when we step up into action and you need to recognize it. The problem isn't your spouse. The problem isn't your kids. It's not your boss. It's not your physical symptoms. We don't wrestle against each other. I... I mean, I'm a problem, but I'm not your main problem. I'm just a dude. If you're really at odds with me, we have to stop and recognize spiritual attack. If there's any division, disunity, serious offense that you can't just forgive and forbear, you probably like you probably don't want to wrestle me. You probably we're wrestling against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places they just put my face on it they just put your spouse's face on it, and you think you're really mad at your spouse the problem is the devil's just trying to get at you job's wife said why don't you just curse god and die whose words were those satan's words coming through his wife job didn't fall for it we need to not fall for it here's my problem half the time I'm already reacting and fighting before I realize who I'm supposed to be fighting. I'm like, oh, Christine's not the devil. Man, again. Okay. Proverbs 28, 4 says that, that keep, when we keep the law, we contend with the wicked. 
just by trying to do what's right. You're like, I'm not picking a fight with the devil. Well, you kind of are. You're kind of shining forth the light and the love and, and who Christ is. And then, of course, you know, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, where we do wrestle against the enemy. Number three, in terms of ministry involvement, as we lay out before you options to serve the Lord, well, how do you know you're not getting off balance? Man, I did cleaning on Saturday and church on Sunday and Bible study on Monday. I got discipleship on Wednesday. I got like, oh, oh my goodness. I don't know if I can keep up with this pace. Am I getting, oh, like, like, did I sign up for too much? Am I beyond my capacity? Okay, consider, consider one major and one minor ministry. Consider that. Now, it depends on your capacity and it depends on worship. That sounds weird, doesn't it? Okay, here's what I mean by that. In terms of capacity, not everybody can do everything. Some people, you, you see this thing, you're like, I want to do that, I want to do that, and you want to do everything. And you get overcommitted, right? It's definitely hot in here. Yeah, okay. So, okay. Don't, don't, okay. A couple things on this. It's okay if everybody can't do everything, right? Hebrews chapter 13. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside the weight and the sin, and let us run with what? Patience. It's an endurance race. It means you can't push so hard this week that you're worthless next week. Okay, so like when you're running, the question is always like, how, what's the fastest sustainable pace I can run? But I can't run any faster than that, right? Does that make sense? So it's an endurance race. Don't, don't get overcommitted. But then the other thing to consider, and I just want you to think about this, okay? This is not an exercise in worldly compromise. This isn't like, well, I need time for me time, and then I'll give God some of my time. It's not like that. The other, the other thing to consider is, is worship. That's worth-ship. How much is God worth to you? Well, give him that much time, and then you keep the rest. And, and what you'll say is, well, he's worth everything. It's kind of like giving financially. Yeah, just give God whatever he's worth to you, and you keep the rest to go spend on shoes. Like, if that was the case, I'd have to work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year, my entire life, and just take everything and just give it to God. And would I be giving him what he's worth? No, I could never do that. So God is worth our all. The question is, how do I best balance my life? I'm a husband. I, I got to have date night calendar. If not, shame on me. And a grandfather. I need time carved out with my family. Otherwise, I am shirking my responsibilities. I need rest once in a while. I'm a guy who appreciates a little solitude. <laughs> like, ah, after a while, I just have to like go hide somewhere and, and read a book or something. And just I okay, so wisdom says I can't go 24-7. I have to balance my life and I need to do those other things. But it's not an exercise in like, here's what God gets and here's what, the, does that make sense? You guys follow me there. Okay. Okay, now. 
Number four, here's where we got to pay attention. All of this that we're talking about, setting up a structure as a ministry, what ministry team are you going to join and why? What are the requirements? Like, what's this look like? Everything that we do must be a spiritual work before it's a physical work. Ephesians chapter four, verse one says, I therefore, therefore, based on what you saw in Ephesians chapter one and Ephesians chapter three, based on the fact that you are called, you are gifted, based on the fact that you are the church, based on the fact that you have all these things in place. Now, therefore, based on spiritual reality, let's set up our physical reality. And it's the same thing for us. You can look at, at, at Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. What a prayer. Okay, hey, based on that, let's figure out what we're going to do. It has to be before a physical work. Tuesday night prayer is the most important service of our week. We're going to hear about that next week about prayer. And then, and then the other thing I would just say in terms of a guideline is, is our quiet time must be readying. I leave my quiet time in the morning not having just check, checked something off my daily to-do list. I actually leave there in a spiritual state where I'm a living well. That which is in me is now just overflowing all over everybody. The spirit of God, the love of God, the purpose that he's given me, the peace, the love, the joy, the long suffering, the gentleness, the goodness, faith, the meekness, the temperance, all those things are just overflowing out of my life. Why? Because I tapped into the wellspring. I'm, okay, if I'm not leaving my quiet time ready, I'm kind of signing to get my tail kicked by the devil this day what if we could all we're all walking in the spirit individually during the week and we come together you know what that would look like that would look like ephesians chapter 2 turn with me to ephesians chapter 2 verse 21 and 22 okay talking about believers built upon the foundation of the apostles the prophets with jesus christ himself the cornerstones in whom all the building fitly framed together there's that same word fitly joined groweth unto a holy temple in the lord in whom ye also are builded together for a habitation of god through the spirit we all walk in the spirit we all come together and now we as a group are like stones that make up a building and guess who lives in the building the Spirit of God. Picture that, just the spiritual picture that that is. You're a stone, I'm a stone, you're a stone, and when we come together, we form a building, and then the, and God looks at that and he goes, I want to dwell there. We've been, is that, does this make sense? Okay, we need to have that functionality. We had a lady this morning and we were all busy, and we were getting our stuff ready, and we're milling around, and there was a lady who was a visitor today. Nick invited her to our class. I invited her, and she came in the door, and she walked in, and it looks like she had a little panic attack right about there, and she turns back around, and she walks out, and I tried to catch her, and she's like, ah, ah, no, ah, ah, just was gone. Here's what I just, I, and that's not our fault if she has a panic attack. Okay. But what I want is to be living stones. 
a habitation for the Spirit of God. And when people walk through that door, the presence of God is all over them. They walk into, okay, John, 1 John chapter 4 tells us that God is love. Verse 8, he repeats it in verse 16. God is love. Now, what are we doing? We're speaking the truth in love. We are a habitation for the spirit of God and the, and the body edifies itself in love. I know you have the word of God. What I want to focus on is how we practically functionally come together in love. Now, that word for love is also charity. Okay, Ephesians chapter 4. 15 and 16, that word love, it's, it's, it's agape love. It's also, you'll know the way it's translated is charity. Now that is a very real, it's a very self-sacrificing and it's a very evident type love, okay? So how can we show that charitable type love? And I've got a little text box over here on the side. And it's not so much that we do a weekly checklist that I'm talking about, which we should do, by the way, like, that was one of the things that came out of cleaning yesterday. Like, where is the checklist? Like, if we just had a checklist, we could go, you know, checklists are fine. But that's not really what I'm talking about. I don't think if we had a checklist that maybe our, our lady would have come in and then stayed. I think she's, okay, but we need to be given to hospitality. Okay. We need to be given to hospitality. And what I'm presenting here, I've got some verses. We need to be distributing to the necessity of the saints given to hospitality. A bishop, a leader in the church, must be given to hospitality. Oh, by the way, don't forget Hebrews 13, 1 and 2. If you entertain strangers, if you're hospitable, you may well actually entertain angels. Isn't that, isn't that weird to think? Like that guy you stopped and helped change that tire, that's like an angel. Well, why do you get a flat tire? I mean, that's weird. But anyway... Okay, here's what I'm presenting to us this morning. Hospitality is our love language as a fellowship. Okay? Love language. What's that? Who's read the five love languages book by Chapman? Okay. Again, I apologize if I've repeated this. I've said it before. I don't really, I'm not convinced that there's only five love languages, and this guy figured them all out. I'm not convinced that's actually the case. But I absolutely love and recommend this book because reading this book forces us to look at other people and ask ourselves the question, what's his love language? With the intent, I got, Rokus has to know I love him. He has to know that. I'm not okay unless he perceives my love. You guys, I, I prayed for you all week. I just, in my mind, I went around this room, I don't know how many times, and just prayed for God to bless you and strengthen you and use you and encourage you. Okay, well, you don't know that. You know what happened this morning? We, we pray at 8.30 upstairs in one of the balcony rooms every Sunday before service, just praying over the services. And I was a little bit late this morning. I had an 8 o'clock meeting because that seemed like a good idea at the time. Anyway, so I'm, I'm running late and, and I'm going up the stairs and Pastor Wilmata, Pastor Jeff Gracier and Xander are up there. Just three of the best human beings on the planet are up there. You know what they're doing? What I 
I, I went up the stairs and I come in. They're praying for me. And they're praying for you. They prayed for you this morning and they prayed for me this morning. I'm just going up there and these are the best people on the planet. And it's like, ah, oh, I'm undone. I wasn't even in here. I know they're not praying for me because they wanted me to hear it. They were praying for me because they love me, because they care. They're praying for you because they love you, because they care. And I perceived that love. I was just weeping. Somebody loves me. Well, if you would have asked me on a multiple choice question, does Pastor Will and Pastor Jeff and Xander love you? I'd have been like, oh, sure, of course they do. Like, we all love each other, right? When you speak someone's love language and they perceive love, I, I receive a lot of love. I, I'm a loved, my wife loves me, my kids love me, people, I, I mean, that's, I'm not like desperado out there riding my fences, not come to my senses. Okay. When I perceived that love this morning, it made me weep. Okay, class, can, can we focus on loving others in a way that they can perceive? When someone loves you, I mean, you kind of know it, but we want to make sure that that love, we're, that we are speaking someone's love language. Okay. Speaking the truth in love, we function. And then the body edifies itself in love. We are together, builded, building blocks as a habitation for the spirit of God. God is love. And if so, so, so here's my thing. We could do that with hospitality. That's hitting a lot of different love languages. What if someone comes in and the best seats in the room, which are probably, I don't know, toward the back, probably. I mean, I mean, I don't know, but but what if those seats were reserved for our visitors and we all had name tags on so they didn't have to try to remember 50 names and we had a gift bag for them and we had pens and handouts ready and I don't know, tissues, breath mints, a sandwich. I don't know, like, like whatever. What if we had something in place that communicated, hey, we want you here. We're ready for you. We thought of you. We've been praying for you. We've prepared for you. What if there was a voucher for a Tuesday night meal for our guests that invited them to come back and we'll buy them supper? What if our, our different Bible studies around the metro each had somebody who was willing? So, so wherever you're coming from, if you're coming from the north, we got Shelly who can, will be the one to invite you to coffee during the week. I don't, I don't know. I'm just, just off the top of my head. I can think of some ways that would communicate love to other people. And all of that would just be under hospitality. Does this make sense? Okay. I truly believe with all my heart that hospitality needs to be a focus for us. And our culture, I love, like, it's 4th of July. Like, go America. I'm, I, I, I love my country. But we are not super good at hospitality in our country. We're not really very good maybe at considering others. We're also independent, you know? 
And, and I think we can focus on hospitality in our class, in our homes, and in our Bible studies together. Does this, does this resonate with anybody? I'm telling you, I was weeping just because somebody loves me and I caught them doing it. I, it. It's impactful for us to do that. And I think that there's a reason we're supposed to speak the truth in love and do that. Next page. Real quick, I'm going to wrap up with these things. So, so this is some of the structure and function. So the, the function, the, the, we know what that is. We're going to speak the truth in love. We're going to make disciples. We're going to fulfill the mission, but we're going to do it in love. So we have the pulpit every week. We've got weekly messages, myself. We got Wagi. We got others that preach. So our next series, we're going to be talking about fellowship and hospitality. We're going to go through 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. Why? Well, because it's all about hospitality. It's all about fellowship. And that's kind of what we need. We don't honestly need an entire another hour of expository preaching. We just all sat through that. And it was really good. But we already got that. Let's get what we can't do by ourselves, but we can't do in the main service. Let's focus on the things that we need. And so... Also, this pulpit also functions to help train others to preach. So every once in a while, we'll be bringing in people to preach and, and, and learning to do that. And we've been doing that some. Our small groups, we meet weekly as much as possible. We want that to be. So if you, if you could have a small group and, and the same people in your small group tend to be the same people in your community Bible study, when a visitor comes, it, we can connect them with a Bible study as they connect to a small group. That makes sense. We have our community Bible studies. They need to be evangelistic. It's a good chance to learn to host and to learn hospitality. One thing we do in our missions prep group is we have different people who are preparing to go be part of a church plant. We have them host in their home. And most of them are young people who live in little apartments with other people or in a house with seven other kind of people. Okay. This is, this is what they all say. Oh, I don't have enough room to host a Bible. It's like, well, what are you going to do when you get to Taiwan? Are you going to have a giant apartment? And no, you're going to be living in a shoebox. You might as well learn to host now. But that, that is a very legitimate function there. And then we're going to do this Bible method and creation to Christ in our environments. Here in Living Well, we, want to, we have a hospitality team with Gail and his team. Mike is over IT and AV. That's a developing team there. We need a cleaning team, someone that can help lead cleaning on Saturdays, but also make sure the room is ready Sunday mornings, and then we clean up after ourselves afterwards. Shelly's our event activities coordinator, and, and um, I've got in mind, too, a, a kind of a benevolence team. One thing that we do have in living well is there's a lot of people with a life experience and they've been through some stuff. And the comfort that you've received, you know what? We gotta have a structure in which you can help comfort others. So I know there's times there's people in the hospital and I, I just like, can't get there. I'm working up in a hospital somewhere myself, somewhere else or something like that. If we had a group of people that could come and visit I think that would be a wonderful ministry out of this class. Praise and worship. I, I do think praise and worship's good, but again, we don't want to try to reproduce what the service has. Like if we had a whole choir in here, it'd just be weird. 
or even like a band and a bass and we got drums over there and we got, it's too much. In my mind, just a guy and a guitar up here, someone who's gifted to lead us into worship and we could do some hymns and gospel. Like, it's, that's still in my mind right now. We have a lot of musical talent. We just don't have what's like in my mind <laughs> yet. Uh, the Arabic fellowship. Okay, so the structure of the Arabic fellowship right now, it's a ministry within a ministry. It's a group within a group. It's the Arabic fellowship, which is incubating in the living well class until they're ready to launch as a church plant. Okay, super exciting. We need to figure out how to get behind you guys. We need to figure out how to be a part of that at a bigger level. One thing that's happening that I'm excited about is there's a discussion about conversational Arabic. So one of the limitations about involvement is, is I, I don't speak Arabic. I could go listen to Wagi preach, but I don't speak in tongues and I can't interpret. I'm just going to sit there and, and be supportive. But if I could learn Arabic in kind of a low pressure friendly interact setting if there is a conversational arabic class that piques my interest does anyone else does that pique anyone else's interest yeah so four of us in here if we could would would join anyway that's a it's a, it's just an idea mainly at this point but pray for that because if i know that if other people in the body would get behind that we could learn arabic we could help be a part of things in a bigger way. Um, and then we're going to be part of the main body. We don't want to be separate from the rest of MBT, but we do want to be functional as a class. So if Ephesians 2, if we're all stones built together, and that's, the, that's MBT, well, there's different rooms in the building. We're a room in the building. Hopefully we're not in the bathroom. In the house of God, like, but, but if we are going to be about, then we're going to be clean. It's going to be tidy. It's going to be functional. We're going to have what we need, and we will speak the truth in love. So here's the deal: the form follows function. Whatever ministries we set up, Mike, I'm not going to set up the your team. That's like you can set that up. But here's the thing: I do know, man, we're going to love love each other. We're going to be hospitable. We're going to speak the truth. We're never going to get away from speaking the truth. Love doesn't mean tolerance to sin. It, it, that's not the case. But I do think we can focus on hospitality, and we're hitting all those love languages as we love on people. Does this make sense? Okay, I kind of spent the whole time um, this morning. Sorry about that. I, I, okay, but here, here's the thing. Let's just have a small group be a very large mixed small group right now and let's just comments questions thoughts 